Hi and welcome to a special episode of our Experiencing Consciousness podcast. We are Roxana Erickson, Catherine Rossi, and I'm Jan Dipa. We are so happy you are here. Hi, today we are here again with Dr. Roxana Erickson and Dr. Catherine Rossi. And today we're going to be continuing on our discussion and focusing on the subject of misconceptions about hypnosis. So what they actually are, what are the misconceptions about hypnosis and how to see them, view them, resolve them and everything around that. Um, so misconceptions about hypnosis, who would like to start that topic? Well, you know, um, I would be happy to start. And um, there's a quote that I'm going to read from Milton Erickson that I think is a really great place to start. Hypnosis is a special but normal type of behavior encountered when attention is directed to the body of experiential learnings acquired from, from or achieved in the experiences of living. In the special state of awareness called hypnosis, the various forms of behavior of everyday life may be found differing in relationships and degrees, but always within normal limits. There can be achieved no transcendence of abilities, no implementation of new abilities, but only the potentiation of the expression of abilities, which may have gone unrecognized or not fully recognized. Hypnosis cannot create new abilities within a person, but it can assist in a greater and better utilization of abilities already possessed, even if these abilities were not previously recognized. Hmm. It's, it's a really beautiful, succinct statement. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so any misconceptions about hypnosis, as we kind of explore them, they're going to be outside of the natural state of being. So when we were young and when i say we i mean my siblings and myself um in kindergarten in first grade um and we would see cartoons of mickey mouse or donald duck or some other fictitious character evoking a hypnotic state you are going deeper and deeper into a trance and then you will have some magical ability our father our dad Milton Erickson taught us that this was inaccurate misconception not not um, something that we should be accepting and in fact, as young children, it is our public responsibility to educate our friends around us and even our school teachers if they were fooled by these dramatic misconceptions in you know, the public media. 
And he felt very strongly about that. And he taught us that it, it was a public responsibility that we, that as little, as young as we were, we would stand up and say, that's not right. <laughs> and to challenge either, even people who were our authorities, like our teachers. And because we were a group, there was eight children in our family. We had critical mass that it's like, oh, I'm scared to do that. And the next one would say, you can do it. And so we all learned to do that from a very early age to confront misconceptions and to, and to realign the people who were watching. It's okay to watch it for entertainment, but it's not accurate. And then that raises questions. Why do, you know, stage hypnotists, how come they're able to get people up on stage to, you know, take their clothes off or quack like a duck or make a fool out of themselves or fall in love, kiss, you know, the person next to them or something like that. Um, and again, it's misconceptions that are promoted, but if you really understand what's going on, a stage hypnotist has selected the people from the audience to perform, people who are willing to perform, people who want that sort of attention, people who enjoy making a spectacle of themselves like quacking like a duck. Um, so, so whack, 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 whack. I just always <laughs> wanted to do it, and now it just seemed like a good one. <laughs> a good time. So, so that, so if you understand that that's what's going on, that they're saying that it's a result of hypnosis, but it's really just an entertainment opportunity, then you get a then you get a somewhat better understanding of what's going on. But then we, in the therapeutic setting, people walk into my office every day. And I know this happens to, to you as well. I have this bad habit. I want to stop smoking, I drink too much, I shout at my wife, whatever. I want you to hypnotize me and let that magically disappear and not be part of my life anymore. Okay. That's a misconception it, that I would have the power to remove those behaviors from the individual. It's not to say that I can't take advantage of their expectancy, of their hope, of their wisdom that they're performing some bad behavior. I can work with those elements, but the magic of me taking it away and they don't have to do a lick of work, you know, that's not happening. Exactly, because the agent of change is within that individual. That's right. And, and it's within the scope of um, who they are as a human being and helping to access the best of them. And it doesn't come from the outside, it comes from the inside. 
the burden of responsibility for the effectiveness of change is within the individual. It's not within the outside party. It's not within the act of hypnosis. It's within the individual to find internal resources to move forward in the direction that they choose to go. And how how do you actually because you 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 wouldn't believe both of you how many how many times people actually come to to my office as well and say those kinds of things to me so <laughs> magical magical treatment magical cure and the best possible way to do it is without me actually remembering what happened that that the the best hypnotist would do it without me realizing anything that would so how do you actually deal with that kind of misconception do you do it on the con cognitive level some kind of education or do you do it experientially and somehow you know put the burden of responsibility on the subject or on the client uh within the, the, the by the by creating some kind of experiences or metaphorically or what kind of means and tools would you recommend to do it or can you have can you give any examples because well my routine is to start with the cognitive boundary setting mm -hmm. education but we're each different i know i have a colleague dan short who embraces that magical thinking and he can put it to good use. He's skilled at, do, at doing that. Um, that's not my style. And part of good effective therapeutic skills is to learn what is one's own personal style. I address it cognitively. And I address it indirectly, um, you know, most of the time, that it's an opportunity to laugh good-naturedly. And, uh, and when you can laugh good-naturedly with a person, all of a sudden you have a good rapport. So when, um, I'll just use an example that doesn't exist. If someone came in and they said, can you make me quack like a duck? And I would, uh, I would just start, you know, laughing and saying, wouldn't that be great? That would really be something if you could experience that magic on the inside of you of being able to listen in new ways and experience in new ways and to have a part of you that can simply watch what's going to happen next. Uh, you know, so I would have a tendency, I have a tendency uh, to work indirectly anyway, if then I were stopped to say, well, but I want you to do it. And then I would be very direct and I would say no can do. But again, it's a really short kind of explanation, no can do, but you can do. And, you know, starting making even plays on words that if they're looking for magic, um, then some of my words can be magical. Some of the dissociations can be magical. And um, but then there's also the very real desire for that person that think they're broken and they want somebody to fix them. 
And so then there's this question in my mind, are you really broken? Or is this just a little, you know, side alley that you're going down? And so it, to me, it portends like with the bigger question of the way the person sees themselves. But um, the other element of it is that there are people who are easily coerced. They're easily persuaded. They're easily influenced. And that they, that they need to be able to come to that inner strength where that influence comes from themselves. And they can they can discern uh, when someone is trying to influence or coerce them in a way that they don't agree with. And I think that happens a lot with advertising. Mm -hmm. One of the real main differences between sales and advertising and using the use of suggestion in those elements is to influence people, influence, persuade, um, coerce, is a manipulation of the vulnerabilities within that individual. And so the, the unethical salesperson or, or even the salesperson who's really focusing on making a sale is looking to convey, to communicate, you need this. So they're playing upon the vulnerabilities, the insecurities, the feeling of need, the uncertainty in the recipient. Whereas within therapeutic hypnosis, we are seeking to access the internal strengths and internal resources that promote the individual to reach their own conclusion. And so, so those are really, you know, kind of two distinct polarities on what, on what we're aiming at. Are we aiming at a defined outcome, a sale, a conversion, an, an action by this person? Or are we seeking to, to um, elicit resources from within the individual that will allow them to make their own decision to move forward in their own chosen way. Well, when you, when you, when you talk about that, it comes to, to my mind that there are actually plenty of misconceptions and also um, uh, fears that people have when they go to come to hypnotherapists uh, or for a, a hypnotic session concerning control either expressed by statements like uh, I will not wake up or uh, what what if I won't wake up or what if I'm gonna say something to you that I don't want to say or what if you're gonna force me to do something that I don't want to do uh, people have that kind of misconceptions all the time is there any seed of truth in that or if you know what can we do about that there is definitely those fears that people present with 
And again, they're, you know, based on the misconception that the therapist has control over the subject. And so, so as I said, my technique is to very consciously, very cognitively say, oh, I'm not magic. <laughs> You're going to have to consult your fairy godmother or some, you know, something like that. I tend to use humor as Catherine does to, you know, to respond. But my goal is to, is to let them know, no, I'm not going to reinforce misconceptions and I can't do that. I'm not even interested in doing that. And then I shift gears. But I can teach you to find the resources within yourself that's going to help you stop smoking or stop overeating or whatever, whatever the presenting, you know, behavioral change that they're seeking. You know, I can help you consciously through education, through the use of hypnosis to access those resources within yourself, but you're going to have to work. And I always make a big emphasis on, you thought this was going to be easy. I was just going to wave my magic wand. Uh-uh, that's not what we're looking at. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to want. You're going to have to stay on track. You're going to have to be honest with yourself if you expect and want and are willing to work in the direction of change. And that honesty to self is a really central element. I don't always require my, my subjects to be honest to me. In fact, if they just want to be closed mouth and anonymous and not say, that, you know, I have a problem, but I want you to put me into a hypnotic state, but I don't want to tell you what my problem is. I'm willing to work with that, but uh, but I'm willing to work with that by giving general open-ended, you know, reinforcement, encouragement, and suggestions for accessing internal resources. Typically, what I find is that the people who work with me, the, those few who want to stay totally anonymous eventually reach the point within a few sessions about, well, actually, they do want to share with me because they're recognizing this is being helpful to them. And, you know, and it is really interesting that I, I also work in this way is that, you know, it's not necessary for you to tell me the problem if you want to keep that private. And, um, and, and privacy has a tendency to be really important within the context of therapeutic hypnosis. You know, you keep that private, only share what you want to share when you want to share it, particularly when you get to the end of the session and they're still kind of in a trance-like state and, you know, they want to be able to continue. You know, with, with the manipulative elements that people are um, afraid of, um, that and and what are used, you know, with um, with the advertising world, it's where you're being led, you know, you're being led. It's like 
in order to be whole, you need, you know, to use this detergent on your clothes, you know, and then you're going to be whole. I mean, that sort of thing, that, 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 that there's something that's lacking in you, and I can lead you into the correct way. And um, in the way that I work therapeutically, virtually all the time I follow, I do not lead. I follow, I'm responding, I'm not leading. And uh, upon rare occasion, I will lead. And what I tell people is, if I see that you're going to step in front of a bus, I'm gonna pull you out. I'm gonna take the reins, I'm gonna take you away from harm's way. And that um, the, the relationship of being able to trust your therapist, that, that they will do that. I was working with someone yesterday who was um, incredibly afraid, terrified, as a matter of fact, to go into um, uh, a, a place that was the only opportunity for healing. It, it required a lot of courage. And what I said is, if I think that you've gone a step too far, I'm going to say, come back. And when I said that to this person, it was like, okay, so you're really watching me. You're going to make sure that I don't, you know, go into a place where I've gone too deep or I'm really confused or I'm really hurt or I'm really overwhelmed. It's like, exactly. I'm going to be watching really carefully. And these are the words I'm going to say to you, come back. And in the course of this session, it's a person who has, um, I'm very trustworthy. Most people trust me right away. But when it's really deep problems, it's like, man, you better be sure that you trust your therapist. And so it's been you know, quite a few sessions before going into really the heart of the matter. But even with that, I followed and this person had the courage to actually go deeply there and was able to come to equanimity of stuff that was from a really long, long, long time ago. And I will add that in the instances of a long time ago, the misconceptions that was inside the person of how they received it in their mind of what they'd been telling themselves over and over and over again, it turns out they were inaccurate at the time. And so they, it ended up not actually being the deep trauma that they thought that it was, that they had support, that they had love, unlike what they remembered in their mind. And so I like to help people to understand this following versus leading. And sometimes I will do that uh, uh, directly. And especially for someone who is, you know, kind of susceptible to these sorts of manipulations, that there's a freedom to be able to choose to go into the advertiser's fantasy or to be not go into that. And, and but it, but which is also true with with people in real life that that they want to manipulate you for their own good. And so these kinds of questions about like the misconceptions of hypnosis, which is abundantly true, I, I cannot um, be your magic wand, but I can, for those that come in with these misconceptions, 
I can help them to understand how you deal with this in your day-to-day -day life that has nothing to do with hypnotherapy. So I like to listen on that different level of, because um, some people, they, they can't overtly say uh, they don't know of, of what is their problem, what is their fear. But if I, if I was continually manipulated by things, I would be very afraid. I would wanna have somebody help me to understand about this, I'm being led down this road and it's not the road I want to go on. Um, so one um, thing I want to add to that, the following and leading, and I fully agree that most effective hypnotherapy is by following, not leading. But I also am a licensed substance abuse counselor. And it, this is a particular population who um, really is frightened by not being able to, you know, go clean and frequently has had two or three attempts unsuccessfully to, you know, to stop using the drugs. And they know consciously and cognitively that this is, I, I want to stop using the drugs or the alcohol or the cigarettes or whatever it is. But they really don't um or frequently not not always but frequently don't have the tools very well developed within them and to expedite that process this is a group that i will lead i will do a very very thorough um interview as to motivation and expectation I build up the expectation and the promise and then I do to some degree use that vulnerability you know their motivation I don't want to be seen as a total failure or whatever I want to be more productive it, it, where they're expressing their fears and their limitations and their shame and their guilt so I will strategically use those elements directly to lead them through. You're thinking about lighting up another, you're thinking about pouring another drink. Um, and it brings up an association with this fear, with this shame, with this problem that you are the one who told me what it was. So, so I intentionally make a link between those motivating factors for the change and the, the, you know, the, in their imagination, the participation in the action. That's one of the tools that I use, but it's very, I had to learn that skill because my education was really much more indirect and I didn't like leading it didn't come natural to me but in this in this population it's much more efficient to take advantage of the you know the opportunity to be to expedite the journey well and what you're talking about roxy is um utilization 
Mm -hmm. And, uh, and really what I've been talking about is, is, you know, you use what it is that you have and, you know, of what it is that's coming before you and, um, and that you read the, the, the person that's in front of you. And, and sometimes it is true. People do need to be led and then you lead them. And when there are these deep confusions, because uh, that's really, you know, a lot of misconceptions are deep confusions. Mm -hmm. And uh, the misconception of um, substance abuse is I need this to survive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and it's an obvious, mis you know, a misconception because, no, you don't, you know, and intellectually, you know, you don't, but there's something else that's going on with it. So, yeah, does it just have such a deep respect for you, Roxy? Well, it's all learning to work with the individual circumstance, the individual needs, our own individual talents and skills and preferences, and just putting it all together. Utilization. So the degree of control uh, depends on the particular person. Uh, from from what you both discussed here, I presume that the most important thing is the, the skill of observation and being open and accepting everything that comes and then being able to utilize that, which means probably also to see a value in it and to find out a way how to use that for clients' benefit. Mm -hmm. is, is that correct? It is, and the control is within the client yeah burden that's where the control so is is that the control is is not within the therapist it's not possible but the therapist can sometimes be quite direct when it's important to be direct just as when someone is a parent sometimes you've got to be very direct with that child that in it being indirect is not going to get the job done. And there are times as in being a therapist where, you know, you are thrust into that role of um, being a, being a parent to someone of giving them information and guidance in, um, uh, in something that they really want to know, you know, not telling them how to do it, but to give them the information and guidance it's kind you know and that's 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 how i operate is it's really important to be kind and so there's no part of me that's manipulative and i will even say if i'm going to do something that might read as manipulative um then i'll say well you might think I'm manipulating you right now when I say da da da, -da. Mm -hmm. and so I'm I'm actually uh, so then of course when someone hears that they perk up and it's like well I'm not going to be manipulated so I'll actually use the word within the within the the, the context if if it's necessary. So uh, and along those particular lines, that's one of the ways that I'm really clear is I want whoever it is that I'm working with to have this trust that I'm being forthright and honest with them and that they have choices in every opportunity. 
Okay. Uh, Dr. Erickson, would you like to add something to that? Well, the Catherine, um, what what you commented on is using that cognitive conscious explanation tool along with the naturalistic hypnotic induction, the indirect suggestion. It's the integration of those resources that draws in the client and, and allows them to evaluate what's going on, to be curious, to find their way. And really, this is all about the client finding their way. Okay, thank you very much. I think we can, I think we're going to come back to the subject of misconceptions one time or another, because there are probably plenty more uh, to cover. Um, yes, so we're going to find out sooner or later. Thank you very much for today's podcast and see you next time. This was another episode of our Experiencing Consciousness podcast. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Jan. You're the best. Be well, be happy, celebrate life.